and welcome back to another episode of Public Opinion with your host, Pam and Venetta. Hello there, Venetta. Oh, I like your fingernails. Put your hands up again. Ooh, <laughs> nice. That's very summer. It's, it's a sea yeah. foam or something like that. All right. Well, that's very, that's, you know, fitting for the it's, summer. It's called Under the Sea. Oh, Under the Sea. Very good. Very good. You know, we don't have a whole lot of time this week to chit chat like we normally do, because I think that our topic this week is so important that I want to give as much time much time to our our guests. But I will uh, encourage everybody to continue to watch our Tea Times where Vanetta and I is only us. So if you just like watching us talk, that (laughs) is the thing to do is watch our Tea Time. We just did one about the Little Mermaid. Um, So make sure you watch. So in depth, you're going to love it. Yeah, you're going (laughs) to love that. We did a Tea Time about Tina Turner, a a tribute to her. Um, Do you hate grocery shopping? Well, then save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as 30 minutes. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Instacart, it does all of that for you for one low monthly fee and you get free delivery on your first order over $10. So follow the link in the show notes. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store again. But I want to talk about this week. We have three very dynamic guests. Uh, This topic is very timely. It's very important. uh, And we're talking about Black maternal health care matters. And uh, even though there was a whole week devoted to that subject last month in May, I don't think there's um, ever a time when you should just uh, delegate a certain uh, time to talk about something of such importance to just a week out of the year. So that's why even though we didn't feature it last month, uh, we still are going to be talking about that. And it is a subject that needs to uh, continue to be talked about because there are uh, great disparities in um, healthcare among women of color. Um, women of, and especially yeah. Cuyahoga County. Yes. But you know, in all across the country though, and, and it, it, and it, crosses demographics and economic uh, too. Oh yeah. Women, you know, you know of, of, of me. There's a lot of misnomers in it. And I'm it's sure we'll lot. get into that. Economics yes. do not play the role that people think they do. No, they don't. So let's get started and meet our guests for this week. First, we have Marlene Harris-Taylor. As the director of Engaged Journalism, Marlene Harris-Taylor currently directs community-focused news coverage for IdeaStream Public Media, the NPR-PBS affiliate in Cleveland, Ohio. In this role, she helps to identify issues of importance to various communities across Northeast Ohio, including under-resourced communities, and leads journalism initiatives that address opportunities identified in and by those communities. She also manages the Connecting the Dots Between Race and Health Project and is host and executive producer of the Living for We podcast. The podcast was inspired by the 2020 Pittsburgh study that ranked Cleveland dead last in terms of livability for Black women. It attempts to answer the question, is Cleveland really as bad as they say for Black women? Next, we have Dr. Heather M. Rice. Dr. Rice is an assistant professor and researcher from Cleveland State University of Health School of Nursing. She is also a board-certified pediatric nurse practitioner specializing in child and adolescent psychiatry. Dr. Rice's program of research focuses on neighborhood conditions, maternal health, 
Toxic Stress and Infant Mortality in the African-American Community. She works in partnership with Birthing Beautiful Communities, Pregnant with Possibilities Resource Center, and Village of Healing Center. Dr. Rice is a proud Cleveland native who is a passionate advocate for birth equity, women and children's health, reproductive justice, trauma prevention, and mental wellness. And finally, we have Krista Lumpkins. Krista is a cool mom of four amazing children, a breastfeeding mom to all of her children with the longest stretch lasting until they were five years old. She also became passionate about birth work and supportive mothers and babies after working through her personal postpartum depression experiences. Healing is where she found herself. Krista found her passion for working, becoming a full-spectrum doula with Birthing Beautiful Communities, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating, advocating, supporting, and empowering families in Northeast Ohio. Now in her role as the Director of Training and Community Impact, she has the honor of training new doulas in Cleveland and Akron, Ohio. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait to have this conversation with these three very dynamic women talking about this very important subject. So let's get started and meet our guests. Well, welcome. Welcome. Thank you all so very much for agreeing to be participants on our show this week, especially to talk about a topic that we believe is so very, very vitally important to our communities. And it's something that needs to be talked about and spread out. So a lot of people don't even really know that there are problems um, that affect Black maternal health care. So I really appreciate all three of you coming and agreeing to be on this show. But public opinion would not be public opinion without a public opinion question. So I am going to show that question or read that question. And then I am going to give each of you two minutes to answer. So let's look at the public opinion question of the week. What factors and or disparities are affecting Black maternal health? So I am going to let Marlene answer that question first. So go ahead, Marlene. You have two minutes and you don't have to take the whole two minutes, but that's how long you have. Go okay. Ahead. Yeah, I'm happy to address that. As you know, you know, as a health reporter, I covered health disparities in the Black community for so many years. And now as the manager of the health team at IdeaStream, we continue to cover this topic. And in our own podcast called Living for We, this has been the topic of the podcast for the past couple episodes. There's a lot of factors. You know, uh, health experts will call it the social determinants of health. All the different things in our world outside of the doctor's office. But when you boil it down to its essence, the number one thing that keeps popping up is racism, structural racism and the extra added layers of stress that Black women have to deal with. Some people call it toxic stress. That, that's the biggest factor that experts have told me impact Black women's maternal and our and the health of our babies. All right. Thank you so very much. Now, um, Dr. Rice, I'm going to let you go next and answer that question. Go ahead. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to be on the show tonight. Um, I'll expand from um, Marlene's answer. And yes, structural racism is a large contributor to what we see in the disparities um, with maternal and infant health. 
And as a um, pediatric nurse practitioner, I can also to speak to how a lot of the implicit bias and medical racism that particularly is embedded in obstetrics also um, leads to a culture where African-American women feel like they aren't being seen or heard or at their medical concerns are not being addressed in the same way as white women may um, feel that those are being addressed. Um, so it goes back even through slavery and the enslaved women, Anarka, Bessie, and Lucy, who were um, tortured by um, Marion Sims and abused and used for science. And it started just a field, particularly around women's health, where um, there were a lot of racism embedded in it. And we still see it to this day. Even when I conduct interviews with women, they still speak to feeling as if, regardless of their social economic status, that they are not seen, heard, or really listened to when they have those questions and concerns about their health. Oh my goodness, that is so very true. I cannot wait till we get to this whole panel discussion. Okay, and then lastly, but not least, we have Krista Lumpkins. Go ahead, Krista. Thank you so much for having me this evening. Okay, so we talked about it. Marlene dealt with it, Heather talked about it, now let's bring it home. What happens? We know these determinants. We know it's racism. When do we find our voice? When do we speak up for ourselves? When do we advocate for us? Because if we don't start speaking out against it and talking about it, how are we going to deal with it? We know that these disparities exist. We know that they don't listen to us. We have to find our voice and speak loudly. And we need to come together as a people across the board and really deal with what this is and just do it from that perspective. So definitely finding our voice and advocating for ourselves. Wonderful. I love how you brought that home too, because we talked about, uh, they talked about what are the disparities and you talked about, okay, so now what, what can be done? What are we going to do? And I, I really like what you said, Heather, um, because when you said you called it, um, did you call it obstetric racism or what did you call it um yeah obstetrics the um practice of um right but you call that right a racism in and of it yeah. and i thought that was very um important because even though we are saying that there are disparities and i know marlene uh marlene you said that it was racism and i i truly believe that as well but i think that there is a problem sometimes with just doctors in general whether it's black, white, or whatever. And I say that because my daughter had an issue uh, where her gynecologist, her OBGYN just did not feel the need. And she was an African-American woman. She just didn't feel the need to really explain a lot to her. And I think that that's a, a problem uh, aside from the whole global problem of racism as well. I think there's a problem in healthcare, you know, just in general. But um, now, how you know what? did you all want to expand any more about that? Or, or You know what, Dr. Linda, I, I was just going to say Dr. Linda Bradley, who is at Cleveland Clinic, and she was the very first Black woman ever hired by the Cleveland Clinic. And she's an OBGYN. And she said exactly the same thing. She said that mm -hmm. doctors need to stop, take the time, listen, yes. let patients tell their story. Yes. And if you let patients tell their story, you'll understand what's going on with them. Yes. You have to listen. I think that's important. And Vanetta, you you agree with that as well. I know I, I've told you about that. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah. But 
um, like you said, there's so many thoughts that they know what you're going to say before you walk in the room. They view you as one of many versus mm-hmm. individually. And that right. is always a problem. Uh, our women are not valued. Mm-hmm. We are expected to endure more pain, mm-hmm. to have the more as women of complaints that if we voice, if we raise our voice, if we have an issue, they view us as difficult or mm-hmm. they put the stereotypes of all those kind of mad black women and angry and mm-hmm. and they use terminology to also to make you off put. Yes. Yes. Now, Krista, you I, I came up to you after the tea. You gave such a, a just a moving, compelling story. You want to just tell us briefly about how you came to uh, be a doula and work with birthing beautiful communities? Absolutely. So um, two of my four pregnancies, I actually dealt with postpartum depression and it stayed with me for about five years. And so it wasn't until my mom actually told me, you know, she said, you're not yourself. Um, There's something wrong with you. You're crying every day. And in the process, I wasn't showering. I wasn't looking at myself in the mirror. Like I was so sad. And in that dark place, like I felt like I was just hopeless, but the only thing I could do was care for my children. And so in that, I just wanted someone to care about me. Like people would come over, they want to see the baby, they want to talk and all the things. But when no one asked me, hey, Krista, how are you feeling today? How are you doing? So as an only child, I dug deeper into this dark place and I just had this solitude. I didn't talk to anybody. I had a husband and he never even was like, hey, how's it going? You know, any of those things. So I literally felt like, hey, I'm just kind of breeding the children and, you know, breastfeeding because I breastfed her till five and a half years at that time. But during that time, it was just a struggle. It really, really was. So it led me to becoming a doula. So I started researching and I really didn't find the answer initially. But once I found out, like family and friends just started asking me just to support them. And my support looked completely different because I wanted to mom the mom, because I think sometimes we just get caught up in baby and what's going on. But what about mom? Like, is she really okay? Because I feel like as black women, we like show up, we're have everything together. We got it all going on. But then it's like, nobody really checks in like, sis, are you okay? Yeah. And It just kind of goes unnoticed. So literally, I went around five years and eventually I got my therapist. And when I tell you having a black male therapist changed my life because Mm. he allowed me to look at things completely different. I didn't want a female therapist because I think that as women, sometimes we get caught up in emotion. I already knew I was emotional. I didn't want you to be emotional. (laughs) I need the help sometimes, (laughs) right? Yeah. So um, to this day, he's still my therapist and we're talking almost 11 years later, but it was just one of those experiences. That's wonderful. And you know, when sometimes people think of doulas um, as something that only people of wealth can have, you know, um, they call it because I used to think, okay, I can't have a night nanny or whatever. And, and my daughter lives in LA and so many people have them out there, you know, they'll have a night nurse or whatever, but somebody who can help you with, a, a at right afterwards or lactation or, or just letting you get some sleep. Cause a lot of times people think of doulas is just helping you have the birth you know, right, have the baby. So I think it's just important just to educate about 
all aspects of, of everything. Now, Dr. Rice, I do, first of all, I want to congratulate, I, I know there was a big grant that was just given and as, as well as you, um, uh, 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 Ms. Lumpkins about uh, for birthing beautiful women and also the, was it the Village Network or whatever? Oh, the Village of Healing Center. The Village of Healing Center, yes. Mm-hmm. So um, congratulations on getting that grant because now can you tell us about this birthing center um, that you all are hoping to build in the city of Cleveland? Yes. Um, so I can speak to um, the birthing center as well as that um, grant is actually through creating healthier communities. And it's going to be one of the first grants to look specifically at doulas and midwives and how those two interventions are very helpful with addressing maternal and infant um, health. So um, BBC is um, currently raising money to be able to offer uh, one of the first Black-led freestanding birthing centers in the city of Cleveland. And it will provide women with other options for birth outside of birthing at home or birthing in the hospital. Oh, that is, that's wonderful. And that's a good thing to know because like you said, uh, women need to have, you know, that whole community around them and they need to know that there are some other alternatives. You need to have a birthing plan and you need to understand your bodies and know when there's something different going on because now uh which Williams sister is it that had the baby um and she talked about her experience after she had that baby and she was trying to tell the doctor I don't you know something's not right and they were just like like almost like she didn't know what she was talking about and she ended up having to have like a procedure done and all of this because they did not want to listen to her and that brings me to um a question though for you Marlene I love this uh study that you were involved in uh, in your podcast and it was born out of this uh it said your podcast was inspired by the 2020 Pittsburgh study that ranked Cleveland dead last in terms of livability for black women and it yeah. attempts it attempts to answer the question: Is Cleveland really as bad as they say for Black women? Why is it so bad for Black women, especially in Cleveland, Ohio? Well, the researcher in Pittsburgh who did the initial study, her name is Dr. Jania Howell. She really was just looking at Pittsburgh and you know what kind of city Pittsburgh is. She was asked by the mayor there to do that, and then she decided to break it out into groups. Right. And she says, well, Pittsburgh is fine for most people. But when you look at black people and black women in particular, it's bad. Mm -hmm. So she met a reporter from Bloomberg City Lab. His name is Brenton Mock. And Brenton is a black man. He loves black women, has had a lot of strong black women in his life. And he was so fascinated by this data that she had. So they decided, well, let's see how Pittsburgh compares to some other like-sized cities with black with about the same mm-hmm. amount of black women, et cetera, et cetera. And they did that ranking, and that's where Cleveland came mm-hmm. in dead last behind Pittsburgh and many other cities. And in fact, Midwest cities as a whole mm-hmm. were bad. So there's something about the Midwest where something is going on. <laughs> what did they but, identify the factors or what 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 was they did? It? They did. Well she looked at several factors. What we've been talking about today was a big one the health of Mm. Black women in the city. But they also looked at income inequality. Mm. The incomes of women, the education was a Mm -hmm. big factor. So so she looked at a number of indicators, but health, income, education were were some biggies. Wow. 
Well, that's why it's important to have these centers like you all are trying to uh, to build so that we could have a place to go where you could have workshops on, you know, educating yourself on all kinds of factors. A lot of people don't really understand that postpartum depression is such a big thing. A lot of times people would try to say, well, everybody's had, a, you know, so many women have had a baby. What's wrong with you? You know, get out of it. You know, it's a lot of stigma up. put around it. It is. You believe but, you're just whiny. Well, there's a lot of stigma with mental health, though, anyway, in and of itself. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you, you know can, what? You know, one interesting thing that I just learned from, from Jasmine uh, Long, the CEO of uh, Birthing Beautiful Communities, she told me that a lot of Black women in Cleveland of means, you know, who are doing okay, they don't feel like they need a doula. She said, mm-hmm. because... They feel like they're taking a doula away from somebody else who's more needy. They're like, oh, no, no, no. You go ahead. You know, you save that for the people who really need it. But what we know about infant mortality and maternal mortality in Cleveland, I believe as Krista already said, or maybe it was you, Heather, that income is not a determinant. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what your income, what your education Mm -hmm. level. If you're a black woman, you're at risk in that situation. So Jasmine is like, everybody needs a doula, no matter what. Wow. That's, that's important because I really don't know that many women who actually use doulas. You know, I've heard of, you know, doulas. And now I'm glad that we're having this conversation so that women can understand that, you know, they are out here and they should be utilized, you know, now, um, Anybody, any one of you can answer this. Is there a particular patient, though, that you think would be in more need of a doula or, you know, how is that determined? Like, was that just a personal preference or, or what? Being a doula does not matter what you look like, what you make or where you live. And here's the beauty of Birthing Beautiful Communities. Our services are absolutely free and we stay with mom up to a year postpartum. So you will have a doula kind of this prenatal, you'll have one during your labor and birth experience, and then you'll have a postpartum doula who's there to support you with breastfeeding or any kind of questions. She will make sure you have pampers, wipes, those type of things. I think Mm -hmm. here's the thing. We've got two different sides. You have those women who are kind of given to us through their providers, whether it's CareSource, United Healthcare, they call and say, hey, we have a mom who needs support. But then there are those, I don't want to say the uh, educated women or women who feel like they don't need, every woman needs a doula because here's Mm. the thing, having a baby is kind of a journey. And when you go through that journey solo thinking like, oh, I'm going to read this book, I'm going to have this. I literally struggled just, I just want to go to the bathroom and not breastfeed. (laughs) Like, right? Like that was my choice. I was breastfeeding while no, trying to yeah. take a shower or any yeah. of those things. So you just don't realize that you do need just uh-huh. that support. And the yes. one thing I will say, we don't have like the African-American traditions like in Africa. They still have the women in the village take them uh-huh. separately and they care for them uh-huh. hand and foot for the first like six to nine weeks. That's support. That we're trying to give, you know, meal plans <laughs> and stuff like that now. But that's the kind of support that we do need. So every woman needs a doula. Yes. And for anybody who's listening that doesn't really know what a doula is, can uh, can you just define what that what a doula is and what a doula does and the type of training you had to have? Well, like I'll ask Krista because Krista, you are a doula. So I am. <laughs> Take it and away. With the train, I'll talk about 
what a doula is. So we are a support person. I like to say this is passion work because you have to be passionate to support mm-hmm. mom and what that looks like, right? And so the doula training at Birthing Beautiful Communities, it's in a hybrid method right now. And I really start with the structural racism. How do we get to where we are today in 2023? And then educating them on what support mm-hmm. looks like. So it's non-medical. We're the non-medical support. We do um, help you do your birth plans and we do encourage our doulas to know medical knowledge and terminology so that when you're in that labor room that you are able to know what is a peak line, what is an anesthesiologist, you know, some of those things. Mm -hmm. And so that they're able to support um, mom during that labor and delivery experience. All right. That's that's wonderful. And so now, uh, Dr. Rice, what is it exactly that? Um, you are are working on right now, and what is the main focus of what it is that you want us to know about? Oh yeah, so um, I've been working with Birth and Beautiful Communities um, since about 2019. We received funding from the states, and the project is called Survive and Thrive: A New Future for African American Babies. And um, this project has been funded twice, so I'm very fortunate that we've been able to receive two phases of funding. And there's several different elements. So we've looked at advanced training for the doulas where they can earn certifications as lactation consultants. They can um, become community health workers. They get additional training such as CPR, infant choking, vital signs. Um, We also more recently have had the doulas come into the lab at Cleveland State and they're able to go through a birth simulation with our mannequins. Mm. That's one big component of that grant. Um, We also work with fathers. We have a fatherhood project looking at fathers, depression, anxiety, how they look at supports. I'm really excited that we've had over 50 fathers respond to our survey. And in the fall, we're going to be looking into different type of programming for them that they helped us create and design, not all just led by women. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, we're also developing an app. The app is called Thrive. It coincides with BBC services, trying to find different ways to make things mobile. So we have a resource directory on there. We're working on getting their classes there to help them with registering classes, keeping track of who goes to classes, just anything that we can do to help facilitate um, the process and the amazing work that BBC is doing. That's what the funding has been able to kind of help us to um, do. And very fortunate COVID happened. The university Mm -hmm. wanted to see how BBC was impacted by COVID. So we did do a little side um, study where we compared BBC services before COVID, during COVID, and now we're able to look at after COVID. So we have some women that were interviewed when doulas were not able to go into the hospital and we're working on some publications to hopefully support if there's ever a pandemic again, that doulas are not restricted from being Mm. in a hospital setting, that we're able to advocate for them to be a part of the birth team and not seen as a extra person or just okay. Yeah, that's oh, I didn't realize that they were uh, excluded then uh, during the time of COVID. Oh, wow. Or they were only able to attend birth through Zoom or the phone. Oh, man. So a lot of moms discussed how that was really hard for them to not have them there right. as a support person. You know, I just wanted to add that the work, the work that Dr. Rice is doing and others who are studying what Birthing Beautiful is doing is so important because mm-hmm. they are proving that this works. And mm-hmm. 
in having that data that allows the organization to get more funding. Because we know a lot of organizations in town are like, where's the data? Where's the mm-hmm. data? Where's the proof that this act, this concept actually works? Where's the proof? And they and Heather is helping them to get that proof <laughs> and others. And so it's, it's a circle that is being completed by so many wonderful black women in this town to make sure that black women will be able to care for black women. Yeah, that's wonderful. I have a question though. Now, how are you referred to a place like okay, birth? I know you said care source. There may be a referral, but say for instance, if um, now my daughter, she's in LA, but if she was here or whatever and, and got pregnant again, um, is that something that insurance cut? Like who actually pays for the services that are offered through like a, a place like Birthing Beautiful Communities? Like, well, insure can can you can your insurance cover a doula? Or how does that work? So it's not necessarily due to their private insurance. So through CareSource United Healthcare and um, Molina, we actually do um, services for them. So they actually contract us 100 moms this year, 50 moms this year. So that's how we get reimbursements through their Medicaid. Um, so that's currently how we're um, paid for our services. And then through grants. I mean, the rest of it comes through the grants is where the funding is com- currently coming from. Do you all still work with sitting pregnancies in the hospital? I don't think we do as much centering. I think Village of Healing Center does more centering programs. We currently don't at Birthing Beautiful. Okay. So so to explain what that is, when I worked with the March of Dimes, what that was is that mothers who were similar time in their pregnancies would come together. They would meet with a doctor in private, but they'd have some accountabilities to the other mothers in the room mm. as they move mm. through the process of pregnancy. Oh, and, I never even heard of that. Yeah, it, it was, a, um, and they were rewarded at the end with support, like a, a high chair, whatever. Oh. And then they provided transportation and oh, I, okay. they viewed it as very vital. But what we did find it that the funding was going away for that. And it was considered a urban issue, which in, in some ways it was because mm-hmm. transportation, if it would be great to have the appointment, if you can't make it to the appointment or if your other children uh, need childcare, that would be a factor. So I don't know how that's still playing out today. I don't know. I've heard I've heard of that organization, too, because we did do stories on them a while back. But I do know that, I mean, they're. I don't know why the funding is going away. I'm not really, you know, tied into that network. But I do know that I've seen a shift in like the thinking in our community and also in the funders. Mm-hmm. And many of them are starting to think about looking at the structural barriers mm-hmm. that are creating systems that make this keep happening year after year, birth mm-hmm. after birth in, in black moms. Whereas the centering type programs, although they are important and vital and did a really vital service, they focused more on the mom and her behavior versus Mm. the system, Mm, right? right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. So what I have gotten out of it is obviously there are some factors that are affecting um, women of color uh, in their Black maternal health care. But I also, what we also have found is that it's not something that is uh, limited to economic, you know, any particular economic group, and that it spreads across the whole uh, continuum. And also that 
doctors need to be more mindful all the way around, whether they're black doctor, whatever kind of doctor that they are not gods, you know, and I think that some of them do have this complex of, I said it, you didn't go to school for near, you know, for any of the years that I went to school. Why are you questioning me rather than allowing women to say, you know what, you may have gone to school forever, but you were not in my body forever. I know my body. You know, you had to know what things to say. You have to be educated. You have to know there are places that you can go to for resources. And that doulas are very, very um, important to the whole birth plan. And I think that's something that people need to consider is is utilizing doulas, making sure that there's education out here, uh, not treating women like like we don't know anything about our bodies and making sure that um, that we just continue to spread messages like this. Now, is there anything that either one of you want to say by way of closing? Well, I'll start first and say that, you know, one of the great things about doulas is they are an advocate in the room. But what Mm -hmm. I'm also learning through our podcast and talking to our experts on Living for We is that all of us need to be advocates. And if we can't have a doula in the birthing room or in the, or even just going to the doctor, take somebody with you. Mm-hmm. And if you can't take somebody, have a plan. Write down what you want to ask the doctor so you make sure that mm-hmm. the points that you need to get covered, get covered. We And somebody said this earlier, but I'm just emphasizing the point, is that we have to become better advocates and figuring out ways mm-hmm. to make sure that when the doctors don't listen, that we have somebody that's there to say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Heather or Krista, uh, do you want to say anything by way of closing? I just wanted to add that uh, one thing about Cleveland that's unique is that we have so many organizations that have been created specifically to support African-American women. So it's important that we utilize those services and also um, share with other women. I'm always surprised when I hear women that haven't heard of some of these organizations, such as Birth and Beautiful Communities, Pregnant with Possibilities Resource Center, and the Village of Healing Center, because they've created so much great programming and education to support women. It's also very unique to have a medical clinic like Village of Healing Center, where if you're an African-American woman looking for an African-American provider for women's health, you can go there and be seen there and get things taken care of from you know, across the spectrum, they also see women for other issues such as menopause and things like that. I think (laughs) knowing your options, not always feeling like you're stuck, or if you have a provider that you feel is not listening to you, feeling that you can make the choice to switch to someone Mm. else that you feel comfortable talking to. That's what I love about when the moms say, when my doula's in the room, I get this quote a lot, I feel like I was heard that day. I feel like Mm. I was seen that day. So it's something about being in a space where you're getting your care addressed and feeling like the person on the other side is taking the time to listen to things that may be concerning to you and addressing them. So take advantage of that because not a lot of cities have um, organizations that are as large as BBC or offer doulas in a collective way where services can all be offered in one space. So I think it's really great that although we have not the best outcomes or <laughs> data, we do have <laughs> solution yeah. and we have interventions that are um, evidence-based and available to us. 
Very good. And I didn't want to leave you out, Krista. I didn't know if you had any. Listen, they touched on all the things. My three were preparation, using your voice and having a support person. So they wrapped it up. Thank you, you, ladies, once again, so very much. I'm actually kind of disappointed that when I had my kids, I didn't have a doula. I I do wish I could go back and have my doula to be there in the room. Right. Because my husband, Lord, no, he lost his mind and when it disappeared for a few hours and he was like I'm so nervous I don't know I don't know what to do I'm like okay but thank (laughs) you thank you all so very very much this has been a great conversation oh I enjoyed that conversation Vanetta it was excellent a topic so close to my heart I those were phenomenal women they They did a phenomenal job and I learned a lot like I said I didn't even really understand the whole importance of doulas I just used to think that okay some people would have a doula I used to think it was kind of fluffy type thing or yes you know that. I thought it was money too at one, early on in my life I thought oh those are people with money with like money. night nurses and all that I right. thought it was just because you had yep. means yes it was but it's, it's so important to understand how important it is for women to advocate for their own um maternal right. health and to understand that there are these great disparities but there are wonderful places such as birthing beautiful community you have to go and uh, united yes. way says that uh deter- racism is a determinant of health and that's the yes. absolute truth yeah absolutely but if you enjoyed this conversation and if you enjoy watching us continue to watch us on facebook as well as youtube and if you cannot watch the show listen on the go wherever you get your uh podcast so until next time we'll see you for another episode of public opinion bye-bye Bye-bye.